revival. Can I tell you something that the Chinese have been seeing in China revival? And just recently, just recently, they've said no more of that. And they're persecuting Christians. And a lot of those missionaries are having to be pulled out because they're literally seeing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of thousands of people give their hearts to Jesus Christ and saved. And yet in America, you can't fill a building with, that seats 200 people on a Sunday morning because people have got, not gotten desperate enough for God. But I got news for you. We're hit, we're into a different time zone than we've ever been in before. We're into a different era than we've ever been into before. And I know that everybody's looking to elections, and I know that everybody's got their they're looking to all of that. But I'm here to tell you one thing right now. I know that it's not going to be long until Jesus Christ splits the eastern skies and He calls the church home. But hear me before you get too excited. There may be some things that we have to endure here on this earth. And there may be a day that you won't be able to find a place in this building to set yourself because there are people who have gotten desperate. You know when we're going to see revival? When, when the people who are in the church begin to repent of what we've known to do and have not done it. And the things we've done that we knew we shouldn't have done. And we get our hearts right back with God again. And we begin to cry out to God, show us your glory. Lord, that we can see lost and hurting men and women fill these altars again. One more time, Lord. One more time, God. We need your presence, Lord. Because I'm going to tell you, the church is not an institution. It's not an aquarium or a fishbowl. It is a hospital for hurting people. And it needs to be that again. I said it needs to be that again. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Listen to me, church. I, I got a message this morning I'm going to bring to you, and I want you to understand that I know God's going to do something great in this house, and He wants to do it in this place, in this city, in this time, this time that we're in. But we've got to open ourselves to the very presence of God this morning. Amen? Amen. One more time, lift your hands to heaven. Father, we ask you now, Lord, as we get ready and prepare to go into your word, that God, that you will, Lord, help us to, Lord, hear what you're saying. Lord, let our spiritual ears be open. Let our, our heart, Lord, be receptive to your word. Change us, oh God. We need a change, God. We need a, we need a life change. God, we, we need a life change. Lord, we don't need another just service, God, where, uh, Lord, we feel good. But, God, we need a life change, a life experience, a life-changing experience, God, that we can landmark, Lord. Today was the day that the Lord did something so great in my life that I'll never look back, that I'm going to worship Him with all of my heart, live for Him the rest of, the day, the rest of my days here on earth. Father, give us the faith to reach out. Give us the faith to reach out. Lord, we trust you today. We thank you for what you're doing. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Turn around high five about five people. Let them know that you're glad they're here today. And then before you're seated, before you're seated, would you just, uh, would you just welcome the people that are going to be watching online and listening online? I know that some of you are being seated. But would you do that? Come on. Would you just, would you just work, welcome them? Come on. You could do better than that. Come on, you can do better than that. Thank you for coming and being in church with us this morning. Thank you for being here today. Amen. There's a lot of people that depend on what we do via Facebook Live. There's people that don't live here that depend on what we're doing by Facebook Live. Some that are, cannot get out of their homes that depend on what we're doing by that. And also on our uh, live stream through audio, which both are available. And we've been trying to make sure those things are available so that you can hear them. 
And so we want to talk to you today in just a few moments. I'm going to give you a minute to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 8. That's in the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, be the second book in the New Testament. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes and just put in your mind the thought of how you feel like when maybe you have been picked last. Anybody ever felt that you were picked last maybe in life, that things are not, uh, they, they're not going the way that you thought they were? Uh, kind of as one fellow said, he was always the, the, the picked last like the fat boy in dodgeball. Knew he wasn't going to be able to get out of the way. Knew that for the team, he would not ever make the cut. And he's going to be the first one out if they picked him last anyway. Have you ever felt like that you had weaknesses in your life that felt like it kept you from deserving a seat even in the church? Not, not to even speak of a place in the presence of the Lord. Have you ever felt like that you know, your life was broken into pieces that felt like they're scattered everywhere, that you come to church this morning, but you feel kind of beaten down because of what you've been going through, what you're dealing with, failure in your life. And maybe you have isolated yourself. I, I, I want to speak to that for just a moment because I watch people isolate themselves, even isolate themselves in church, which means they show up to church basically to show up and do their duty and get out of church, and they really don't want to spend time, especially around the pastor, his wife, or anybody else, because they're afraid that if they do, they might be a little bit convicted about something. I got news for you. You don't have to stand before me. Wherever you were last night or wherever you were the night before or whatever you did last weekend or on spring break, you don't have to stand before me. You stand before a just and a righteous God, but I will tell you that He loves you. And I will say this to you today, He's not mad at you. And the last thing you need to do is isolate yourself from the body of Christ because we need each other. Amen. And so I'm talking to those that may have failed in life. And sometimes you feel like maybe your life spiritually is in a thousand pieces. I pick up, if you've ever broken anything, and I'll... I'm a, I'll confess every now and again I'm the light guy here at the church and I'll find lights that are flickering and it's just inside of me. Anybody else a little bit OCD like on your phone? If it's got red dots, you don't like the fact that it's got red dots. Anybody else like that? Praise God. Some of, you, some of you are being honest. You don't like the red dots, so you got to check and see why it has the red dots. Some of you can have 42,000 mailbox messages, and it doesn't affect you a bit in the world. Well, every now and again, I'm the light guy, and we had a light that was, was flickering, and, and I thought, well, you know, I, I know what to do. And so anyway, to make the long story short as I can, I pulled out some light bulbs, these long fluorescent bulbs, and I'm changing them, and then I've got to put up two of these bulbs, and one of those bulbs fell in the foyer area back several weeks ago, and when it fell, it, if you know anything about a fluorescent light bulb, they, are, they have gas inside of them, and so if you're going to break one, the best way to do it is to turn it up on the end, and you take a just puncture a little hole in it, and the gas goes out of it. It's just kind of a trick. But anyway, this one had not been done that way, and, and it fell. And when it fell, it shattered into a bazillion pieces. And there was, I mean, I swept for, seemed like days. I vacuumed. 
I had to pull stuff out of our janitorial closet because I didn't want anybody to go in there barefooted to be up here cleaning and they get a glass, you know, feet full of glass or a child. So we're trying to get that cleaned up. And I shared that story with you to tell you that sometimes life can be that way. And sometimes your life, especially if you're new in this walk with God, can seem like it's shattered like that. It's all over the place. Like you really don't have any purpose in your life. But I've come by to tell you today there is purpose. That if there's a heartbeat in your life, there's purpose. If there's breath, there's purpose. So let me read to you a little bit of a story from Mark chapter 8, uh, Mark 8, starting in verse 11. The Pharisees came to Jesus and they began to question Jesus. Somebody say the church folk. The Pharisees were the religious, one of the religious sects at this time that were like a separated group of people who knew the law very well. Or they knew the Torah. They knew what they had of the Bible at that time. They were the smart folks that you didn't want to have to go to Bible quiz with. Okay? Are you with me? So they came to Jesus wanting to question Jesus. They were testing him. And they asked him for a sign from heaven. Basically, what they were saying was, Jesus, we want you to qualify yourself for being who you are and what you're doing. I like what verse 12 says. He sighed deeply. (sighs) Jesus did. Why does this generation keep asking for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. No sign will be given to it. Period. Verse 13. Then he left them. In other words, he's talking about he leaves the church folks, the Pharisees, those people that were questioning him. He got back into the boat and he crossed over to the other side. He said, i got to get away from these folks for a little while. They're about to drive me crazy. He gets back in the boat with his disciples, his, his disciple team that he is assembling, that he is putting together. He goes, he finds them. Most of you know the story. He'll go find ones like Peter and James that are fishing on the banks and he will say to them, hey, if you guys will follow me, I drop your nets, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So he's putting together. He's, he's finding these guys. Now you got to know something about these fishermen. They were not your typical everyday, ordinary, clothes wearing, good talking, Sunday go to meet and church people. Many believe that when Jesus found them out fishing, that when they were fishing, they were naked. If you don't know what naked is, I'll let somebody else tell you what that is. They didn't have no clothes on. They've been out all day. They're casting their nets. These are the group. This is the group now that's with him, many of them. Listen to this, verse 14. The disciples, the group I'm talking about, had forgotten to bring bread. Somebody say one job. (laughs) Amen. Forgot lunch. Except for one loaf. You know how good that's going to go over. One loaf. And they had it with them in the boat. Then verse 15, Jesus says to them, be careful. And he warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Which seems kind of out of place, but reality, it's not out of place. Jesus is teaching them a lesson about yeast. They discussed this with one another and said, Is it because we have no white bread, no wheat bread, no pumpernickel? They thought Jesus was still talking about physical things. Show me your glory, Lord. Let me see something. Let me know something that's not just natural, but supernatural. Verse 17. 
aware of the discussion. Jesus knows what he's, they're talking about. He said, why are you guys talking about having no bread? Do you not still see and understand? He's been walking with them. They sleep together. They talk together. They eat together. He said, are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? He's talking again spiritual things. And don't do you not remember, verse 19, when I broke the five loaves and fed 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? The disciples said 12. Verse 20. And then when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls did you pick up? They answered seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? Now, here's what Jesus was doing. Jesus was taking a moment to teach to them a principle, and he's talking about the loaves. We've heard about feeding the 5,000, the 4,000. Jesus fed many times with very little. Do you, do you remember last week we talked a little bit of the giving talk I did about the little boy with two fish and five loaves. you remember that? And how they were going to send him away, and he broke the bread, he blessed it, he gave it away, and they picked up basketfuls. Can I tell you, when Jesus does something, he doesn't do it halfway? That when he multiplies something, there's going to be plenty left over. That when he does something, he does it in a great way. And that he's got more than enough. Somebody say more than enough. So he's trying to teach the disciples a life lesson on the purpose of using pieces and broken bread. We're going to have communion Easter. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the broken bread. And he's saying to them, don't you see what you have right in front of you? When Jesus leaves... The Pharisees, he's frustrated with them because they're only asking for a sign and Jesus just says, i got to get away from them. The disciples forgot to bring the bread that they would need from the pieces that were picked up, that were broken. And Jesus used their forgetfulness, which I don't know about you, sometimes I have that, as a life lesson and to teach them about who he was and why he came. Are you with me? And also what he wanted to do in their life. Most of us don't gather and don't understand or don't see the fact that, and this is what the disciples were dealing with, that Jesus came, he lived on earth for about 32 and a half years. He would be crucified. But before he's crucified, he would tell them he wanted to break bread with them. This will be the last time. He says, I have desired to eat this meal with you. I want to do this. But this, this is going to be it for me for a while. And they still don't understand. They still don't get it that he's going to go away. And when he goes away, the responsibility of winning the world or leading the world, doing what he did would rest on them. He would show them that they have purpose in this life. And that's what he was trying to teach them now, was that they had purpose. And so Jesus uses the analogy of yeast. Most of you that have you ever cooked or baked bread, you know what yeast does? It causes it to rise. It causes it to be puffed up. And Jesus was saying to them, hey, be careful that you don't become like the Pharisees because you can get puffed up in yourself. You can get prideful, all of these things, you can become self-righteous just like they are. Are you with me? And a little self-righteousness goes a long way. How much yeast does it take, Brother Jeremy, to get a little bit of loaf of bread to rise? Not much. It don't take very much at all. So Jesus said to them, look, be careful that you don't allow that to happen in your life. And so it's, it's called pride. 
And so they really do believe that the original Greek, when they said that they forgot bread, basically said, who forgot the bread? And I termed it, I, I like it like this, who forgot the bread, you had one job. All you need to do was bring lunch. Amen. So here's what I need you to get in the story. A lot of times life is we, we recognize things that are sometimes behind us. Somebody say we look back to see it. But we recognize, some of you would say, you've said it, you know, at my age right now, if I could go back and be 20 again, if I could be 30 again, or and some of you, I, you know, I don't know if you've ever, if I could be a teenager again, not me. I would not want to have to put up with what some of them put up with right now. We love them. And oftentimes, the lesson that we are needing to learn, that we look back and can see it, in life's rearview mirror is oftentimes right in front of us. It's right there. In other words, we recognize it now, but we didn't see it then. Are you with me? See, I can talk about being a teenager and how it is to be a teen because I've already been a teen. Some of you parents are going to say to your kids, I'm telling you no because I've already walked that out. I've already done that, and it's for your better. We understand it, right? Because we live life kind of looking back. Now, the, the, the disciples have no idea that when this is being written, that one day in the 21st century, 2019, at Refuge Church, we're going to be talking about them in a Bible story and about how Jesus is, is teaching them something. But we can look back at it and we can see what God is saying. We can see what Jesus is saying and we can get something from it. Are you on that same page with me? We see a big picture. If you've got an iPhone, the iPhone has moments. Y'all know what moments are? Moments are individual frames. I'll just, you just check it. You don't have to do it right now. But it's, they've made it where moments are individual frames, which means that you can go to your phone and you can look at a moment and remember, hey, I remember we went here, we did that. Oh, that's so funny. Look at what they were doing. That's moments. We live life in moments or frames. My son is a, a videographer. He does videos, and he's always talking about frame rate. And you watch these cool videos that slow the frame rate down so you can see the drops of rain. They slow the frame rate down so you can see the dog's tongue hanging out and bouncing. That's, they shoot it in certain uh, slower frame rate so that you can get the slow motion. I'm just here to tell you today, and I'm going to bring all this around. You just hold with me just a moment. We live our life in frame rates. We live our life in moments. And a lot of times if we knew what we know in the moment or of that frame or of that time, we wouldn't do it. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But looking back on it, it's easy to see. And so here's why I'm saying to you today, we live life in pieces. Are you with me? But those pieces, even though they are broken in our life, have got purpose. And you may not know why God allowed you to come the path that He allowed you to come to bring you to this place, maybe to this church during this time, or to go through what you've gone through this year or last year. Aren't you glad that we're into 2019 and not still into 2018? Come on, some of you may not have dealt with what I dealt with in 2018, but I'm glad I'm here today, amen? I'm glad I'm living right now in this place. 
And so we see life in pieces. When God sent Jesus to the world through the, the son, his, uh, sent his son to Jesus, his son Jesus to the church, to the church or to the world to become the church, the disciples would be, he had one purpose in mind for Jesus, and that was to seek and to save the lost. That was it. That was his mission. Can I say something, everybody listening, looking here, that when Jesus went away, that mission never changed for the church. He's telling the disciples, hey, if you're not careful, you could become self-righteous like a bunch of people that show up at church and don't want anything to do with anybody else lost, smells different, looks different, got things hanging out of their eyebrows, out of the ears that you don't wear or don't dress like you do or don't look like you do and don't go to the places that you do and don't hang out with the people you do. But I have called you to the world. I have called you to the least, the lost, the hurting, the broken. Come on, somebody. So if you let a little yeast get in your life, you can get a lot self-righteous. If you let a little bit of pride get in your heart, you can say, well, I'm just so glad we don't go to church with those folks. I'm just glad we don't have to sit by them. Can I tell you something? That's who Jesus came for. He's not coming after everybody who is whole. He's coming back after the hurting who needed a Savior, who are willing to accept that, and the mission has not changed. Mm going to preach whether you help me or not. I feel like it this morning. My wife came to church. Glad to have her back this morning and feeling better. Amen. So Jesus starts piecing together these disciples. It's a missions team that he's putting together. And, And here's the thing. Even in church, what I've learned And I share with you this because the pieces that God is putting together. I look around Pastor Tegan. I I look around at Pastor Ted. I look around at, at others that are in this church. Different ones that God has put here. And I realize if you're teaching a class or you're here cleaning or you're greeting at a door. And I'm so wonderful to see everybody greeting at the door. But I'm standing studying this morning wondering how we can make it not look like a prayer line when everybody's coming in. It's all right to laugh. You guys are greeting, but I'm, I'm looking and I'm thinking, God, if I could do away with those bathrooms and this janitor's closet, I could open this thing up a little bit more. People want to hang out where there's a coffee pot and water. Come on, somebody. They want to hang out where everybody at. Why do you do coffee, Pat? Why have you been putting water out? Why do you do all that? Because people want to hang out. Can I tell you, it's not so much about the curriculum a lot of times as it is your conversation. That there are things being built out there. See, some of you won't show up early enough to get coffee or water, but there's things that are being built out there. And the same ones keep showing up. And they want to build a relationship with somebody else because they know they can't do life alone. Uh, Is anybody hearing what I'm telling you? Because God takes pieces. Pieces of your life. Pieces of mine to win the world. Come on, somebody. So Jesus knew that he was piecing them together and he knew that the Pharisees were the ones that probably were the ones that were supposed to be the ones that he should have picked because they're the church people. They're the separated ones. They were were so focused though on the extreme letter of the law. They were so focused on the religious side of church and church going and how church ought to look that they missed Jesus who was right in front of them. I'm going to preach this. I'm going to preach this. They missed the Jesus that was right in front of them. 
because they were too concerned about what Moses and the law had said. And Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy that law, but I came that the law might be fulfilled. I came to perfect it. I came to run it through Calvary. I came to bring it to the cross. My goodness. I came to run it past the cross. And with the blood, oh, with the blood, makes the difference. The blood makes the difference. Let me, let me, I I don't want to get off track here. So they tried to say, Jesus, are you qualified to do what you're doing? They tested him. Jesus decides, I'm going to get away from those people, and I'm going to go somewhere else. I read this little thing, and I think I've shared it before, but if I have, just, just, just indulge for me a minute. So he finds these broken guys to disciple, and I found this little, little illustration that was written that somebody wrote, and it's supposed to be, it, it, it was written by this, it's supposed to be the resumes for the apostles, and I think it's so cool. And it's written by the Jordan Management uh, Consultants, and it says, Dear Sir, thank you for submitting your resume for the 12 men that you have handpicked for managerial positions in your new organization. It's as if they're writing it to Jesus about the guys that are his disciples. All of them have now taken our battery of tests and have not only run the results through our computer, but we've also arranged personal interviews for each of them and psychological vocational aptitude uh, with a psychologist and vocational aptitude consultant. The profiles of all the tests are included, and you want to study each one of them carefully. I I just, it's so good. I'm going to skip down part of it. Look at this. It is the staff's opinion that the nominees are lacking in background. Educational, vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise that you're undertaking. They do not have a team concept, and we would not recommend that you contend that you we recommend that you continue your search for the persons of experience and managerial ability and proven capability. Simon Peter, emotionally unstable and given to fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. The two brothers, James and John, sons of Zebedee, place personal interests above company uh, uh, loyalty. Thomas demonstrates questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. Remember that? Thomas said, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're Jesus, then prove it to me by the scars. We feel that it's our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, definitely have had radical uh, uh, leanings. They both register on the high score on the manic depressive scale. One of the candidates, however, listen to this, is the greatest potential. He is a man of ability, resourcefulness, meets people well, and has a keen sense of business mind. And he has contacts in high places. He is highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man, and all other profiles are self-explanatory. We wish you the very success success in your new adventure. Now, that was written because I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of times that when we look at people, I just wanted to, to share with you that we don't see I'm just thankful that God doesn't pick people the way we pick people. I'm just glad that God doesn't look at me and look at you the way that everybody else does. And I'm saying that I, I believe today for you and for me, even if you came and you don't feel like you deserve a seat in this chair, I'm glad you came anyway. 
Because it is in your life's pieces, the things that you don't think that God can use, it is the things that you think have been messed up, the things that you feel like God could never do anything with in your life. You know, I, I've married people, and this is not a slant on anyone. But I said something to them as we were in marriage counseling. I said something to them about, we were talking, and it may have been even after that. I said, so I know that you've been previously married before. And they said to me, yes, this is my fourth one. And I've had that more than once. And, and in that, they put their head down, and I said, look up at me. I want to tell you that this is it. God's going to do what He said He was going to do in your life. The difference between the last three and this one was you weren't serving Jesus and you had not given your heart to Him and your eyes had not been opened to the truth, but they are now and there's a difference in this marriage and you can make it. Amen, somebody. So just come by to tell you that there is a reason that you're here and that God sees your potential. Jesus was trying to show the disciples that he, he wasn't just talking about forgetting bread. He, was, he wanted them to understand that as long as Jesus was in the boat with them, that, that they had all they needed. And I want to tell you, it's not just in this church, but it's outside of this church that you know that he's with you. And you've got all that you need. Even in your dysfunction, come on somebody, even in all of the things that you think are wrong in your life, you have Him. Jesus is the hope of your future. He is the great I Am. Amen. So God, number one, sees potential in pieces even when we don't see it. And is it possible, possibly in your life, that you've become so familiar with your weakness that you don't even see your potential? Because a lot of times we choose to see what we want to see. We don't see anything beyond that. We're quick to see what is deficient in our life or what is missing in our life instead of seeing what is possible in our life. We see the divorce that we, divorces that we've had. We see the dysfunction that we've had. We see all of the deficiency in our life. But Jesus doesn't look at us that way. He looks at us and he sees potential. When he looked at the disciples and he was building his team, he didn't look at Judas Iscariot as much and say to him, he's going to be the one to head this organization. He looked at the ragtag bunch, a lot of them like Peter and Andrew and James and John, who absolutely did not qualify to be a part of his team and said they are the ones because of their heart that God will use. Now let me just share with you my story. In 19, about 1994, I was in a church in Greenwood, Mississippi and I was preaching on a Sunday morning. The potential was that I was to become their, their full-time youth pastor. After the church was over with, the pastor who was in much uh, was uh, you know a little in age that time came to me and he said to me these words: "You really don't need to be youth pastoring a church. It is your time to pastor a church." And you know what? I didn't see that. I didn't see that in my life. I didn't see that at my that time. And I was 24 at the time, and I thought, you know what? All I see is what's not good about me. All I've ever dealt with is young people. All I've ever dealt with is youth. I don't know that that is what I need to do, but God saw my potential, and God used that man to speak that potential in my life. You may look over here, and I look at these young people, and I see a beautiful group of young men and women that are not yet, come on somebody, 
I mean, there are kids. There are youth. Some of you mamas and daddies say, well, I know what they're doing. I know what they did this week. I know what they did last week. But I want to tell you something. I see what God's going to do in them. I, I don't, I'm not looking at their past and looking at what, what is. I see some of them right now, you know, and they've come to me and, and, and some of them's crying at times and some of them's upset and depressed and oppressed and wondering how they're going to make it and what's going on. And then you start pulling out of them and listening to them. And, and a lot of times it may be something as small as a relationship in their life and they're 12 or they're 13 and you want to tell them it's going to be all right because you're 12. But for them, it's huge because they're going to turn 14 and not have a boyfriend, not have a girlfriend, and everybody's going to look at them and look down on them. Can I tell you something, young people? Don't worry about what everybody else is doing around you. Do what Matthew 6.33 says. Seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness and all those things that you're looking for will be added unto you. And if you're looking in the church and you've got a boy, you're standing beside and he's got his hands tucked in his pocket while he ought to be working worshiping Jesus, you might ought to keep on walking. You might keep on looking. You need to find you somebody who loves Jesus with all of their heart and then go after them and let God use you and use him to be able to develop that. Amen. Too many times we're searching for things outside of what God would want. I see the potential in them and I know that Jesus sees the potential in them as well. But we look at life in pieces and we don't always understand why things are the way that they are. But I'm just going to tell you, when I was called to preach at a very young age, I had guys who told me when I was being credentialed who are now gone on to be with Jesus Christ, you couldn't turn around a a 10-foot boat, let alone anybody else. I mean, that was in, no, my wife was sitting there in there. In other words, I said, I, I feel like God's called me to do this because I've got, uh, he's given me some influence or some potential. That, that weren't the complete words at my 18, 19 year old state. But he basically told me as an older seasoned man, not the same guy, but another man that was, I mean, very, very, very basically said, you, you know what, I just, basically, I don't think, I don't think you're going to make the grade. Years after that, many years after that, that man came to this church. He heard me preach. He's retired. He'd heard me preach. And, and I had guys tell me at state meetings, man, and he called his name and said, he's, yeah, he come to my church. He came here and was talking about how he helped you and how he blessed you and it pushed you forward. And I would just say, yes, Lord, and I thank God, and I'd call his name out. Why? Why are you saying that? Because even when everybody else doesn't see your potential, God recognizes it in the pieces of your life that everybody else I didn't wake up one morning and say you know what I think I'm ready I think I'm ready I think I'm ready to go preach listen to me there are a lot of days that go by there are a lot of Sundays that go by that I'll think God I don't think I'm ready to go in there I don't think I'm ready to tell them what I need to do I struggle come on somebody I struggle to get this morning's message to be able to share something with you. But if, if you can't see what you can become as an individual, it might be because you don't like who you really are and you don't think that God could use you. But when you look at them in the mirror and you realize that your potential is greater than even what you see, that your potential is much more than what somebody has spoken over you and you realize that my life may be in pieces, but God is helping me 
to pick up and put the pieces together. Amen. And before it's over with, I'm going to be able to see a picture here. Amen. Amen. You got potential. You got to realize that. You got to put that together. Because if you don't put it together, you're not going to get it. The church, this church, has tons of potential people in it. And we've got to come together to recognize, and you have to come together to recognize that you're a part of the pieces. God always does this secondly in what I like to call provisional pieces. In other words, provision is realized in pieces, what God has given to you. When you start putting things together, you start recognizing how God can use you. Here we go. Jesus multiplied the few loaves. He took the bread. He took the little boy's lunch. He took the baskets. When the boy left and went home, the boy left with more than what he came with out of that lunch, and he went home and fed his family. The Bible teaches us that Jesus fed 5,000, but that was only uh, uh, the men that were counted. That wasn't even the women and children, so there was much more probably that was reached than even that 5,000. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that God sees the potential in small places, in overlooked people, in a city called Vicksburg, in a little church called Refuge. What everybody else don't see, God sees it. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you don't understand your provision is related, uh, released in pieces, you might miss it when it comes. In other words, God, when you take pictures, a lot of you teens will take these pictures. Most of the time, you know, you're, we talked about selfies last week. But you take a picture, you don't take one picture of your vacation. You take multiple pictures of that vacation, I know. Or you take multiple pictures of the concert you went to, I know. Because they're uploaded, a lot of them, on social media. And I'll say, look, they got, oh, wow, they went with. And the only way I would know that is because if you only put a selfie up and said, I'm at this concert, and I didn't see anybody else, I wouldn't be able, listen to this, to put the pieces together that you went with your friends, you got to hang out with your fam, you got to go to whatever concert it was, or you got to go to this beach because you only took one picture. God sees your life in pieces. Are you, uh, God allows you to see your life in pieces or frames. Are you with me? He, he doesn't give it to you all at one time. He doesn't let you see what everybody else may even see in your life. And he definitely doesn't always let you see what he sees because potential comes through provision. In other words, every time God gives you a piece, you're able to put together a piece of the picture and you understand what God's trying to do in your life. Emotionally, financially, relationally, provision will come in pieces. It comes in seasons in your life. And when when you get in need, and when you are in need, you have to realize that God has pieces and that's how it's coming. You know, sometimes, and some of you say, I get it, Pastor. My messages don't come. I set, my wife will tell you, I started to take a picture of our dining room table that a lot of people see when it's cleaned up and it's got a centerpiece on it. And I got it all cleared off and got three study Bibles, a notebook, an iPad, a, a, a laptop, and I'm digging to find out why. Because there's a lot of times I don't get everything I get in one uh, thing. It, has to, it comes in pieces. Are you with me? Are you with me? But you can get stuck in the fact that there is no bread and on one thing in your life and you can feel like failure. Some of you men, some of you uh, families, you married couples, you parents, can feel like you're not the parent that you ought to be. 
if confessional time would come, I can tell you that I don't always feel like the best dad. Maybe you missed something. Maybe you missed their first baseball practice. Maybe you, because you had to work. Or maybe you missed softball practice or soccer or whatever it is. Maybe you didn't pick them up from school. I wish I knew what that was like because we didn't get picked up from school. We rode this thing called, I noticed nobody over here said that. It was all those that were older. Oh, did? I'm sorry, Sierra. What we do, though, is something that I want to share with you as we're going to bring this thing to a close. And I'm going to pray. Is that we do something as parents when we feel like we didn't do the right thing. Now, or we didn't, we didn't give enough time to our kids. Time is the greatest thing you can ever give them, but one thing we'll do is we feel like we didn't do that, then we want to go and, and we want to do what? We want to make up for How do we usually do that? We buy them something. That's what I was looking for. And so today, I'm going to illustrate my point. Y'all just stay with me for a few minutes. Is that I got this thing. It's called the Lego Creator. It's this plane. And I thought about it in my mind. Man, this is the coolest looking thing it could be. And I don't know if you anybody played with Legos when you were kids or not. My kids would because I know about 2 or 3 in the morning if you walked through the house and stepped on one. How bad it is. Now here's the thing. In this, in this thing here, in this box, I'm thinking about this plane and how I could play with it. And it says that it's three in one, that you can build three things out of one and that you've got to be at least seven years old to play with it or older. So I qualify. But we get something like this because we want to play with our kids and we say, okay, son, come on, let's, let's play with a toy. Let's, let's go in and let's enjoy some of this toy for a little while and let's have a good time. And we're going to play with this toy and we pull it out. That ain't what I I know why it weighed so much now. And we pull it out and we're looking at it and it's like, okay, son, I, I, they've done sold me something bad here because what is on the picture, what's on the front here, proof too what's in the picture doesn't match the pieces matter of fact some of them have even got holes in them and that's how bad they don't match up but here's the thing when the creator of this Lego toy decided to make this three-in-one, he knew that the only way that it could be diverse was to make it or create it in pieces. And God knows in your life that the only way you can ever become what He wants is that when you see your life, you don't always see it in the picture, but you see it in the pieces that He's making. Are you with me? And God will keep giving to you pieces... And I didn't put it together but it, until it looks like the picture. And in reality...
reality, here's what needs to happen in our life, church. We've got to get to the place that we understand that God's trying to do something great in me. You can't judge me by the pieces that you see in my hand because that God's not done with me yet. Are you with me? Don't give up on your picture because it don't actually look like the piece that you picked up. There is more. God is wanting to give you all you need, but it's going to come in pieces. How am I going to know how to get there? You've got to read the instruction manual, and that's the Bible. Come on, somebody. I'm just glad that when God brings you together, He brings together pieces, even in a church setting, amen, like we are right now, even some of them that are very broken or seems very broken, and He puts them together. Every church isn't the same size. And if you compare church sizes, you're going to miss out. Come on, somebody. If you compare pastors, you're going to miss out. But God has a way of putting the pieces, all of us in the right place, back together like He wants us. I've always said I didn't really want to go to an all-white church. And I don't understand it completely, but I, I, I have gotten a little bit deeper understanding of it. I want to go to a place where it isn't just that, because I know when I get to heaven, it ain't going to be just that. Come on, somebody. And that the color of my skin isn't what makes me who I am. But it takes all of those who are black, red, and white. They are precious in His sight. All the pieces being put together to make the church. Are you with me? Everybody and every church isn't the same size. So look at this last one. Purpose in pieces is now revealed. We see through a glass darkly. But now we see it. You can't always see the purpose while it's in pieces like this right here. But when you look back on it, and you look back even on your life or the frames that you might see many years later, you can see how God took what was in pieces. And whether you believe it or not, it, it, it was a basket full of bread that God broke into pieces. He he had them pull it into pieces and I want you to know that no matter how many broken pieces that you feel like your life is in as we close this this morning that God's working in your life he's got a plan in your life and God sees the potential and I'm glad that somewhere along the line over 20 years ago nearly 25 years ago that a pastor looked at me and said you know what it's your time it's your time, but, but I don't see my time. I don't see the potential. It's your time. It's your time. Would you stand with me this morning? I want you to know that God likes you no matter how broken you are. They give me something softly to play here just for a moment. And you may not see it today, but with every step you take, you will see more. You will see God doing what He wants to do. And I want to, I want to while I, I just need everybody for a, a few moments, and ju just, just a moment to hear what I'm about to share with you. Just, just for a moment, just, just real still and real quiet for just a moment. You'd say this morning, Pastor, this morning my life feels like it's in pieces. But you're telling me that God can work things out in my life and He can actually make the, make the pieces make sense in my life. You're telling me that I've got some purpose and it's not just 
to live my life, die, and not know why God created me? Absolutely. I believe it with all my heart. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? If this morning, and I'm not, I, I just, if.